G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, these truly are challenging times as infection rates around the world with coronavirus continue to rise. Death rates are on the rise too. And in all of that, we're experiencing a very significant change in the way that Christians do life with their faith here in Australia. And, of course, as you know, churches have been closed at least the last two Sundays Uh, There's a whole different way we do church. But I want to come back to some of the challenging things that we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago. Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch is back with us, who's been writing this week about some of the challenges that happen when we close our church doors. Bill, welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Bill, it's one thing, isn't it, for churches to voluntarily close their doors because of the threat of coronavirus. It's a whole new kettle of fish, a whole new issue to discuss and be concerned about when churches are under compulsion to close their doors. You've been reflecting on these things. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's happening all over the Western world. Jurisdictions are now ordering the forced closure of churches, sometimes synagogues as well, Uh, and sometimes, again, being a bit extreme about it. A New York City mayor has already said if anyone violates these orders, that he will have those churches and synagogues shut down permanently. So that's getting pretty hardcore. Mind you, I'm not aware if he said anything like this about mosques, but that's another issue. So yeah, there are plenty of, uh, well, we've already got bans on church gatherings here because of, uh, you know, uh, too many people in a public place here in Australia. So it's, uh, again, it's the old question of balance. The government has a right and a duty to step in to take measures to protect the health and safety of people. Uh, So I've, well, I've done 20 articles now on corona and related issues, and in pretty much every one I said there's two things. Yes, the government does have a place to do some stringent, uh, austere measures to protect our health and safety. But the other hand is how far will it go, can it go, and will it become a power grab, especially a grab that may not be easily relinquished long after the crisis has abated. So there's, it seems to me, two things, and you know, others are saying that. I think even Scott Morrison has said that recently. There are two crises. There's the virus, and then the danger of uh, stripping away our freedoms, destroying our economy and life as we know it, in our response to the virus. So as always, getting the right mix here and having wisdom is certainly needed. Bill, are you aware of any churches that have been pushing back against this idea of forced closure? Are there those that 
you know, and we might argue uh, not with a level of sensibility. It might be putting people at risk because of the numbers of people in close proximity. But are there any who have been flouting the law? Yeah, well, there have been actually quite a few. In fact, there's one very famous case that probably most of your listeners have already heard of, the Florida mega church pastor, Rodney Howard Brown. Uh, he was open on Sunday, and as a result of that, he's been arrested. Uh, actually, he turned himself in after an arrest warrant was issued because it's violated the regulations there. Uh, so again, you can go back and forth on this. There's pros and cons. He mentioned how, you know, abortion clinics are open and gambling places are open. Why are they deemed to be essential services, but churches are not? Now, that's a good point. Uh, he did quote, you know, the Hebrews 10 passage about not forsaking to assemble yourselves together. Well, that may not be quite as good a point. We certainly can meet online, at least temporarily. There's other ways we can meet. Uh, but mind you, even one religious uh, liberty group came to his defense. And in my article, I list all the things they said. They really did seem to take a lot of careful steps, uh, various medical precautionary steps uh, to make the church experience as safe as possible. So, you know, there's pros and cons. Some Christians might say, you idiot, you know, what are you doing? You close your church down, keep it closed. And there's a case to be made for that. Uh, certainly some of the more radical uh, health and wealth gospelers, you know, name it and claim it types, well, no disease will ever touch me. Well, that's not faith so much as often foolishness or presumption. We do have to have faith, but we need to take proper steps. But others are actually warning that, you know, the state seems to be getting a little bit carried away here, forcing groups to close down, and, you know, if it's this uh, easy of an excuse, bear in mind Australia so far has had only 20 deaths out of 25 million people, you know, what uh, will be used in days ahead if it wants to take harsh measures. So, uh, again, pro and con, we got to be careful here. I imagine what you're getting at here, Bill, is that where churches decided to open, if they were taking the adequate precautions, then you can allow people to have a level of free will. But I imagine what the government is doing right now with all of their quite heavy-handed ways of trying to control the spread of coronavirus is that they don't trust anyone to be able to have the right precautions in place. I note that in the Rodney Howard Brown case and the people who were defending him, they were talking about all the staff wearing gloves and everyone who enters the church has hand sanitizer, but that may yeah. not be enough But because people don't know enough about the coronavirus. But, but uh, what about this idea of taking all of the necessary precautions and then allowing people to have some level of free will? Yeah, well, again, as we keep saying, it's... Uh you know, the, the crisis is real, the virus is real, but the old point, which I've made now for several months, can the cure become worse than the disease? And again, especially in terms of government clampdowns and freedoms, uh, how the economy might be so severely damaged, and as I may have said already, uh, 
you know, this is not a question of putting profit ahead of people. During the Great Depression, 40,000 Americans suicided. So when you destroy or have an economy destroyed, uh, you can get as many lives lost in that way as you can through any virus. So once again, uh, our medical experts have to make judgment calls here. Uh, and again, you're getting conflicting reports. Some de- seem to be saying we're going too far, we're being too alarmist, we're being too heavy-handed. Others are calling for even more drastic measures, so it's a bit hard when you have conflicting advice, both from medical experts and political leaders. But uh, again, we just need to keep an eye on everything. I, I think there could be a place for voluntary meeting of people, but there is also, you know, genuine concern about limiting the spread of this disease, of flattening the curve. So, as always, we have to really think carefully, and we got, as I said in my article, we got to pray for our leaders. They need the wisdom of Solomon right now as to what they should do, and it's the same for pastors who may be thinking of, uh, you know, opening their churches even when it's no longer permitted. So, uh, we need a lot of careful thought and prayer during these uh, dark times. Bill, what about the idea of the church remaining open for people to come and pray? I did hear of this a little early on when the coronavirus was beginning to take hold. Uh, no church services, but the mm-hmm. ability for people to at least come to a place where they might see it as a sanctuary to pray. Uh, what are your thoughts around that idea? Yeah, well, again, it all goes back to what governments are talking about, essential services, obviously having to buy food uh, and so on. I guess that's pretty clear. That's an essential service. What the problem here is governments are effectively saying church life of any kind is not an essential service. Well, Sure, on the one hand, we know the church is simply the body of believers. It's not a building, so in that sense, sure, we don't need a building, but we don't want to be glib here either. Um, As you say, some people like to come together with others to pray. Now, just the other day, I was out at the shops, and one of them had a very... uh, Oh, a very uh, feisty little uh, guard uh, who wouldn't even let us into the grocery store. He first gave us a five-minute lecture about how we had to behave and we couldn't be near people. And, uh, well, he was really getting into his little uh, thing, you know, probably important. But my point is, if we're now starting to do that as people come into grocery stores, I suppose you could have churches Doing the same, have somebody outside when a parishioner or somebody comes, say, well, look, you're welcome to come in and pray and uh, do what you will, but observe some of the common sense, uh, you know, measures, stay a few meters away from somebody else and so on. So I suppose it can be done. And again, for many, uh, faith is essential, how we express that faith and whether we need to be with others physically, whether in the building or elsewhere. I mean, right now in Australia, you can't even have more than two people out and about. So even the idea of a house church, which, by the way, the Bible speaks quite a lot about, even that's now becoming impossible because uh, even in your own home, you're now only supposed to have family members. So uh, it is 
different. We have to think creatively of what church means, how we do church, in a time where not only churches are closed, but uh, any kind of biggish gathering is being banned. Uh, you know, I suppose we all do it online for now and just hope the uh, the Internet and the energy keeps running so we can do it. I suspect that's what people will say because there'll never be, and I think everyone would agree, never will be an adequate alternative to meeting together as the body of Christ. There's something special in the intimacy of the gathering and the preaching of the word and the sharing of communion that's very, very powerful for the hope that comes in Christ and, of course, the peace of God explained person to person. But in the meantime, this online revolution that is taking place But you've got a doubt or two with regard to that, Bill, with the thought that, as you just mentioned, while the electricity is on, that's all going to be fine. If the electricity goes off, our online capacity diminishes. What are your thoughts for the way that we are planning and moving towards the online meeting of church, but there are some risks even associated with that? Yeah, well, again, three quick things come to mind. One, as we already said, what happens when the lights go out? What happens when, you know, the Internet is down? That'll pretty much shoot all online fellowship. Uh, Secondly, not every person, of course, has uh, Internet. Uh, Most do today, but I suppose many elderly people may not have it or at least know how to use it. And third, if we do want to think a bit more cynically, as we say, what happens if a government, for whatever reason, one day decides that banning online church services will be the next step? Uh, Heaven forbid, but I mean, certainly much worse has happened in, well, communist China today. You know, they're, they're bulldozing churches, tearing them down, and so they would be doing the same with online uh, church services. So uh, heaven forbid, if the West keeps getting more and more secular and hostile to the faith, what happens when that uh, step is taken? Right now, a lot is happening because of this virus. Uh, you know, what other excuse might be used in the days ahead for even further clampdowns on Christian worship? So it's, you know, just stuff we got to think about, we got to pray about. Uh, most hopefully our leaders have good intentions in mind, but there would be some who don't have such good intentions, and some are quite happy to see our churches being closed down. So uh, interesting times. we got to pray and we got to think carefully. Just to press on for another minute or two here, Bill, because an important issue arises, because we all know that online censorship is possible. Uh, Those who've been banned from Facebook because they've expressed a view that is against the PC uh, overall view of how things ought to happen. And uh, it could be very, very possible that online churches could be banned, and uh, you're raising an important point there. The idea of PC police... Uh, they are easily going to be able to get into uh, online church services. Uh, something significant could happen there. Yeah, well, that's a very good point, actually. You could make that my or our fourth concern about this whole thing. Uh, it's good that you raised it. Uh, we already know that churches are being hounded and monitored to some extent in the West on, you know, what they say. Are they critical of Islam or homosexuality and so on? We know of uh, street 
preachers arrested. We know of websites shut down. We know of uh, individuals who've lost their job. So if we were forced for long periods of time to have only online churches, well, what's to prevent the powers that be to extend all this even further? All right, we will check out your Sunday online services. We'll make sure it's not being critical of homosexuality or whatever. So even this is uh, another area of potential danger of a real threat to freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of expression. So, you know, the Internet is a good thing. It's got a lot of positive values, but it can be, as you said, a a real place of uh, strict censorship and suppression of ideas. So, yeah, interesting times again. And the challenging thing is, of course, when church leaders need to address some of these major moral, ethical issues of our day, they may well think twice if they think that there are those who are policing the things that are being said. And those things that are recorded online could easily be sent to authorities. And that may well cause some to think twice about speaking biblical truth. Bill Muhlenberg, great insights once again. I'll point people to your latest articles, and you've written more than 20 articles regarding coronavirus. Some of them get into the deeper types of topics that we're talking about today. Let me point people to BillMuhlenberg.com or simply Google Culture Watch One Word to get the latest from Bill Muhlenberg. Bill, thanks for joining us once again today on 2020. Great to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.